Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to this special episode of our series, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, based on the New York Times bestseller, 37 Psychiatrists and Mental Health Experts Assess a President. The editor of that book and the organizer of the Yale University Ethics Conference that preceded it is Dr. Bandy Lee. Dr. Lee is on the faculty of the Yale Medical School and has been a crucial collaborator in our podcast series. Late last month, she interviewed Dr. Mary Trump, Dr. Trump's niece, who is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. The video of that interview is posted on her webpage, bandylee.com, B-A-N-D-Y-Lee.com. And you can also find a link to her interview in the episode notes to this podcast. These two mental health professionals have studied and written about the mental state of Donald Trump more than anybody else. I found their conversation very revealing, and I'm sure you will too. And now, here's Dr. Bandy Lee and Dr. Mary Trump. Hi, I am Dr. Bandy Lee, a forensic psychiatrist. I'm very pleased to have a chance to interview Dr. Mary Trump, a clinical psychologist, the president's niece, and author of Too Much and Never Enough, how My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. So, Dr. Trump, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I have been so wishing to meet you, and so I thank you enormously for agreeing to do this. We are both kind of shy speakers who are feeling compelled to do this because of the gravity of the situation and the professional responsibility that we feel. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for what you've been doing, uh, you know, especially since you're currently a member, uh, an active member of the profession, which I'm not uh, at the moment. So, you know, I've been out of the field for a while, um, but it's it's been heartening to see uh, you and some of uh, your colleagues uh, fighting the good fight uh, in the absence of support from the profession as a whole, which has been quite honestly demoralizing. For me, that was a sign of trouble from the start. Yeah, But I was enormously impressed when I read your book and saw the professionalism and the clinical prowess that you brought to your own situation with your family and your uncle, which is not easy to do. When you're surrounded with dysfunction, especially when the person with the greatest pathology is a powerful patriarch, uh, you come to see the whole situation as normal. Right. Uh, When did you realize that it was not you and your father who were, quote unquote, a mess, but Donald Trump himself? It took a really long time uh, because, as you say, you grow up in this atmosphere 
that um, seems totally the way it is. You know, it's just the way it is, and and you don't understand how it might be different from other families. And also, my family worked very hard to keep up appearances. So I think even from the outside, uh, you know, certainly when I was growing up, nobody would have thought anything other than, oh, this is just a really rich, successful family, and they're living the American dream. So, um, you know, the other complicating factor for me personally was that uh, by the time I was born, uh, the man my father had been, you know, the self-made professional pilot, uh, the man who was uh, had uh, many, many friends who adored him, I no longer existed. Your grandfather was a very destructive figure. I, I think um, getting dis disinherited was kind of a, a tip-off, <laughs> so to speak, um, because it it wasn't just that uh, I got disinherited. Um, it was the way in which my grandfather wrote his will. I, w I wasn't even named in the will. I was referred to as the issue of Fred C. Trump Jr., my father. And it was so breathtaking, the, uh, the ease and the thoroughness with which I was excised from the family. So, um, I, I thought that that was uh, very odd and troubling. So, you know, I stopped having anything to do with the family for a long time. So I, I kind of got outside of the system, so to speak, and was able to bring my perspective just as an adult, you know, that helped, but also um, throughout my training as a clinician, um, you know, I learned a lot about how to look at systems like families um, and pathologies and de uh, developmental issues, et cetera. So, you know, distance and training, I think, helped a lot. Um, and it was, although it wasn't until I started writing the book that I, I really got in touch with some things that I honestly wish I hadn't had to. I was thinking throughout how difficult it must have been and how responsible you were in terms of bringing it to a professional level and the balanced viewpoint that you brought to it. Do you feel fully appreciated in this respect as an expert? I, I do. And it's been incredibly gratifying because, as you say, uh, there is uh, apparently a hunger for information that will help people make sense of the insanity we're living in the midst of, you know, or have been for the last four years. Uh, you know, when I was writing the book, I was extraordinarily mindful of how important the psychology was. Um, and also mindful that I wasn't a, a practicing professional at the time. So I, I needed to get it right. I needed to get it right anyway, but it was particularly important uh, given that, plus given my relationship to him. Uh, and I wanted to make the analyses accessible to people. And the feedback I'm getting suggests that people really are getting it, uh, which is wonderful because I think, you know, it's been vitally important since uh, even before your book came out that this kind of discussion become mainstream. If you were wondering why more mental health professionals weren't speaking up 
did you know that we had at one point raised this topic to the number one topic of national conversation? This was two and a half years ago. And then the American Psychiatric Association stepped in and basically uh, blocked us from all major media. Yeah. Um, were you yeah. aware of that? I was. I was horrified by it and I was aware of it, yeah. What do you think of the fact that our society is literally dying at this point from lack of access to expertise, not just mental health expertise, but pandemic expertise, medical expertise in general? Well, I, I think it's, it's an, a total condemnation of the trend in the last few decades to undermine the necessity of expertise you know, uh, and to devalue science. Um, I think even more fundamentally, um, it starts with, with uh, the, the West's bizarre need to separate physical and mental health from each other as if they are separate in some way. And then the weird double standard that it's okay to talk incessantly about a candidate's physical well-being or lack thereof, but not at all their uh, mental health or lack thereof, especially considering you know whether or not somebody has a, a bout of pneumonia, uh, that's not going to endanger the planet. Um, whereas if you have somebody with Donald's myriad psychopathologies, then you know look where we are. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think so the, the mental health issue has been it has been much more um, prevalent, I think, dismissing it. Right. Um, by somehow making it separate then and something we can't discuss. Um, but this now with the pandemic, um, Having epidemiologists silenced or or belittled, or I, apparently Dr. Fauci is now getting death threats. I think that that's something that Donald has done in order to change the subject from his own utter incompetence, appealing to others' narcissism. Yeah, and that they can know as well as experts that they don't need to have a professional degree to right. come to the same conclusion, That's even right. as they underestimate and normalize pathology. Yeah, yeah. Now, you said that you have stopped practicing clinical psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and can you describe a little bit of your uh, clinical experience? I had studied uh, psychology at the master's level in a separate program before that. So I already had a master's in psychology and then went on to the PhD. Um, I did, where I uh, trained, uh, we had a clinic. So from my second year, I was already seeing patients and doing uh, test batteries. Um, and I started teaching, uh, I think grad school my second year uh, as well. So, um, and I mean, that was one of the great things about my program that the clinical training, the clinical part of it was it was excellent and started very early on. Um, so all through grad school, all through while I was taking courses, I taught and saw patients and did psychological 
testing. And then I was at uh, Manhattan Psychiatric Center uh, in the admissions ward for a year. Um, and that's a that's a state psychiatric facility. And I think it's safe to say that we see some of the sickest, um, most vulnerable patients because uh, they have absolutely no support systems. Um, and obviously, when you're on the admissions ward, you're seeing them at their sickest. So uh, being able to diagnose quickly and come up with treatment plans uh, was was a big part of what I did. Plus, also, you know, just working with some of the the most severe uh, pathologies and mental illnesses and disorders uh, that there are. We share some of the clinical experience in terms of treating the sickest. Mm -hmm. in society. Uh, I work mostly in state hospitals and prisons. You hadn't been asked about what it means to have the most dangerous man in the White House. What does that mean clinically and what is the standard response? Obviously, if Donald weren't in the Oval Office, I would not have referred to him as the most dangerous man in the world. And he, he is by virtue of the unfortunate combination of his pathologies and his position and the power that comes with that position. Uh, so it's a pretty terrifying combination. But, you know, outside of that, he, he, he would be dangerous to himself and others anyway. Um, you know, he is, his diagnoses are so, would be, you know, if he were to undergo the appropriate tests and, and evaluations, would be so complex. Like I see so much comorbidity. Um, I see like on every access, <laughs> access, there's something going on from a potential learning disorder, uh, you know, attachment disorders all the way through to uh, the physical um, issues that might be plaguing him, um, potentially substance abuse disorders. And that's before we even get to the personality disorders uh, and whatever else, mood disorders, potentially, um, learning disorders. So what I say to people, you know, uh, when I'm answering the question, why is he dangerous outside of the power and the position is because he's never going to get better and he's only going to get worse. That's right. And those stressors are unimaginable because it's not just the job, which he doesn't even do, quite honestly. Um, it's the bad news that he's surrounded by. On a deep level, he understands that he is not at all the person he claims to be or pretends to be. So imagine the amounts of energy it takes him on a minute-to-minute -minute basis when he's supposed to be the best and winning all everything all the time to hide that, not just from other people, but from himself. You know, the, the danger inherent in learning, being faced with his inadequacies um, is astronomical. That's right, that's where I see him too. What do you, in your words, um, mean when you say that the president is mentally incapable of leading? He has no impulse control. Um, he has contempt for anybody who doesn't toe his line or um, support support him. Um, he is incapable of caring caring about anything outside of his own self interests. 
So, you know, very much like my grandfather co-opted Donald and my father to be extensions of his own ambitions. Donald co-ops the government to bolster his sense of who he is and to advance his own agenda. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. And now time for a quick break. You're listening to Dr. Bandy Lee interviewing Dr. Mary Trump. This special episode of the Bill Press Pod is brought to you by the American Federation of Teachers, the great men and women of the AFT under President Randy Weingarten. You know, school is underway, whether it's online or in person or some hybrid of both. And whatever it is, teachers are right in the forefront, making sure that our children get back to school as safely and effectively as possible, focusing on what's best for the students. We salute them. Thank them for their good work. Check out their website at AFT.org. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with our special episode of The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, based on The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, 37 psychiatrists and mental health experts assess a president. In this podcast, the editor of that book, psychiatrist Dr. Bandy Lee, interviews Dr. Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. Um, Did you know that we actually did a mental capacity evaluation 
on him when the right information became available, uh, which was through the investigations by special counsel and his team, yeah. uh, we had exactly the kind of information that would be important to do mm -hmm. a mental capacity evaluation, uh, the firsthand reports from close associates and coworkers, and uh, and we were able to come to the conclusion that he did not meet any of the criteria for mental capacity. And uh, I actually really appreciate your um, focusing not just on diagnosis, but on mental capacity, which is what matters when it comes to public health and societal safety. I talked about um, global assessment of functioning, so we can only speculate. I mean, I, I would imagine if you, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say it's in, he's in the 30s, maybe. But, you know, we can't even tell because, again, he's constantly been institutionalized. And that in itself should have been a red flag for people. I felt that your observation about his lifelong uh, institutionalization was uh, very uh perceptive and relevant. You said in your book, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, and Mitch McConnell, all of whom bear more than a passing psychological resemblance to Fred, recognized that Donald's checkered personal history and his unique personality flaws make him extremely vulnerable to manipulation by smarter, more powerful men and to get him to do whatever they want. We recognize this developmentally wounded lock and key relationship that tends to happen between someone who is overcompensating and uh, someone who is submissive. Uh, say a little bit more about that. Why those traits make him so dangerous? And uh, if you see it also w between him and his followers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is one of one of the most horrifying aspects of all of this uh, is the way the patterns repeat and how something that happens uh, in a closed system like a family becomes magnified uh, in on a societal level. I mean, it's it's quite mind boggling. And I think, you know, we all have our work cut out for us because we have to figure out uh, you know, obviously, I know that work has been done in terms of authoritarian personalities and, and that sort of thing. But um, there's such a one to one correspondence here that it's unnerving, you know, and that was when I first started writing the book. That was the first thing that struck me, that there are several through lines from my grandfather to the Republican Party and the, you know, cult followers, even though my grandfather died 20 years ago. Donald, whenever Donald's talking about he's the best, he's the greatest, whenever he's, you know, starved for attention from other people and compliments and and the rally crowds, um, he's what he's really doing is speaking to his audience of one, which was my grandfather, and saying, you know, Dad, I am the best, I'm the winner, don't kill me. I think we're feeling that in society that in fact, a hallmark of pathology is that the healthy persons, the thriving persons are suppressed, whereas the compromised and submissive and uh, instrumental persons are praised, however temporarily. That's right, right. And I think, you know, we the, the healthy of us, to the extent that we are healthy, also to some degree get, um, 
drawn in to the extent that we start to share the same uh, psychopathologies. You mentioned in one interview that he could be charged with negligent manslaughter. And I would agree with that. In fact, I believe that he meets criteria for culpable homicide. Now, whether that's yeah. manslaughter or murder depends on the guilty mind that we, the mens rea that we uh, evaluate in forensic psychiatry or psychology. Yeah. But uh, we do have someone who is responsible for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of deaths through wrongful conduct. Here we are with perhaps the most complete expert analysis together uh, from between your perspective, from uh, an intimate household observations and our independent public health analysis, if you will. We have all the analysis that we need. One of the huge services you provided with your work is the is making it clear that you know, there's plenty of evidence to support the the assessments of him. It's not yeah. like you're talking about somebody we know nothing about. You know, you don't need to be in the guy's family. You know, you don't need to have known, you don't need to be his therapist. He's been a public figure for a very long time. And, uh, you know, the data are there, you know, and especially when, when people from very diverse uh, either points of view or, you um, orientations or backgrounds or what have you um, and and various degrees of familiarity with the subject come to the same conclusions, then that has a lot of explanatory power. As far as the public is concerned and society is concerned, which is also our professional responsibility, mm -hmm. it's not diagnosis that is important. It's dangerousness and unfitness, which do not, uh, the best information does not come from a personal interview. In fact, we have all the information we right. need. That's right. Yeah. And that's why in the book, you know, I don't come out and diagnose him because my point is, who cares what his diagnosis is? Look at what he's doing. And look at how his behavior is shaping the behavior of people around him. You know, that's the problem. If, if we had a patient who was, um, you know, imminent, an imminent threat to herself or others, we would have to do something. We would be required by law to do something. This man right. has killed, is directly responsible directly responsible. And I agree with you. It's not negligent homicide. There is culpability and and purpose here. He's re directly responsible for the death of 155,000 Americans and counting all of those deaths, which could have been avoided if he had just taken responsibility. That is right. And we now have all the information necessary to know that the, all the deaths and the suffering that we are going through that's so different from most other developed countries is yeah. because of his mental state and his inability to admit uh, wrongdoing. Absolutely. That is where professional expertise and bringing the profession's standards to uh, the medical need is what is important. And you yeah. have helped to do that in ways that have been unparalleled. And so I thank you for all of your work. Uh, would you like to uh, give any last word? Listen 
to people who know. Listen to the professionals, listen to the experts, listen to the people with the expertise who have spent years and decades of their lives honing their skills as professionals who understand these things. And, you know, pay attention to what he's doing and look at those behaviors through the lenses we're offering. Thank you. You're an asset to this country and I'm so honored to have this chance to speak with you. So I'm just honored that you asked me. Thank you so much. And that's it for this special edition of the Bill Press Pod with Dr. Bandy Lee, crucial partner of our podcast, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, and her interview of Dr. Mary Trump, Dr. Trump's niece and author of the New York Times bestseller, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. Again, the video of this interview can be found at bandylee.com, and the link is in the episode notes to this podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Stay strong, stay safe, wear your mask. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.